Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Rabbi Matt uh, is the leader of Restoration, which is a Messianic congregation in Seattle, Washington. And uh, in addition to that, he's an author. Uh, I encourage you to pick up his latest book. It is a recommended read, and uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, and, uh, and he is a blessing uh, to us. He's, he's really a, a wonderful person who really knows the Word of God. Yes, he's seminary trained, but he's, he's down to earth and can really speak to us. So uh, ask the Lord to give you a teachable spirit to receive what he has for you today. I think it's going to be something special. Let's welcome Rabbi Matt Rosenberg. Yeah! <laughs> Shabbat Shalom. This podium's for tall people, I think. I feel small. Um, so glad to be here with you, and um, always glad to be with Rabbi Kevin, um, who, when I was 15 years old, kicked me out of the Messiah Conference with a few friends. I still don't think I did it, but just kidding. I was totally. Your, your rabbi is uh, one of my favorite rabbis, Messianic rabbis, of course, after my dad and my brother and my uncle, and well, maybe after Jonathan Burnus too. But after that, I think Rabbi Kevin is um, really an amazing rabbi and a great friend, and uh, glad to be here with you uh, on this Shabbat. Today, we're gonna, tonight, we're going to talk about Peter and... Uh, you know, the thing about Peter is uh, he was a fisherman, <laughs> um, but he was a passionate guy, and you could say he was a man of extremes, um, which over the course of my life, I have uh, connected with Peter because I'm a bit of an extremist myself. You go to one side and flip real quick. For instance... You remember the time that uh, Peter was given, Simon was given the name Peter by Yeshua, um, and he asked his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? Uh, and the answer, well, some say John the Immerser, others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he looked at his disciples and he said, but who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Yeshua looked at him and said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my community, and the gates of Sheol will not overpower it. Of course, it takes four verses, just four verses later, 
in Matthew 16. Um, Yeshua explained to his disciples that he would suffer and die and rise from the dead. And Peter pulls him aside and says, never, master, this will never happen to you. This is four verses later. And he turned to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me, and you are not settling your mind on the things of God, but the things of men. Four verses between you are speaking directly, the Father in heaven is speaking directly through you, to now Satan is speaking through you. He's a little bit of an extremist. You remember at Passover when Yeshua washed his disciples' feet in John 13, and uh, he said to his disciples, you guys don't understand what I'm doing, which, you know, they didn't understand anything he said or did as it happened. It often says, and the disciples did not understand, much how uh, you feel during Rabbi Kevin's sermons. (laughs) So Peter said, you will never wash my feet. And Yeshua said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you're going to have no part with me. Well, then wash my feet and my hands and my head. What? (laughs) You will never wash. Okay, just wash all of it. Or you remember in the garden when Yeshua was being arrested in John 18, and and, um, they, they, they came to arrest Yeshua, and Peter takes out a sword and cuts off the guy's ear. And Yeshua puts his ear back on, and then he says, put the sword in your sheath, Peter. There's so many examples of the extremism of Peter. He is an all-in and all-out guy. He is all passion and no forethought. And I love Peter so much because uh, I share his passion and zeal and so ready in extremes. And I realized that it must have been really frustrating for the people around Peter, uh, as I think it has for people around me, because it's a little bit nauseating when it's like the guy, let's all do it. No, we should all just take a nap. Like, we should, you're really excited, and then I can't do any of this. And, you know, we forget that in the first century, the people were, the disciples are far younger than we think they are, than we give thought to. We picture most of them as adults, but the truth is the majority of the disciples were between 13 and 30 years old. 13 and 30 years old. Now, we know Peter's like probably in his mid to late teens because he's already married. I know, it's an awkward sentence. And by the time Yeshua is crucified, Peter is probably no more than 20 years old. So it's at Passover Uh, Passover Seder with his disciples right before Yeshua is arrested, which is just a few weeks ago uh, on the Jewish calendar, that his disciples begin to argue over who will be the greatest in heaven, you know, because they're all teenagers. And Yeshua said to Peter in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Yeshua said, yeah, you will. But I tell you that before this day is over, You're going to deny three times that you even knew me. 
So Peter says, I'm ready to die and go to prison. And the Lord says, I know. But you're not ready yet. In fact, it takes Peter 30 years from that moment. And he does go to prison. And he does die for his faith. But there's a 30-year gap between Peter's passion and his readiness to do what God asks him to do and him being ready to do it. And here's how it works. Peter, according to what Yeshua even said, Peter was first sifted by Satan. Then he had to fail. But all of that was so that Yeshua could restore him. And when he was restored, so Peter could encourage others through his story with the part, his part of God's faithfulness in his life. And the truth is, we are all in need of some kind of restoration in our lives. I know we've, we've seemingly, I guess the pandemic's been over here for a long, much longer than Seattle. It just ended um, yesterday for us. And, um, you know, but coming out of the chaos of the last two years and all of the arguments and all of the division and all of the frustration and all the things that everybody, we all got so worked up about, the things that we thought were so important don't seem that important anymore and importance has shifted, that there's uh, uh, issues that have happened in relationships and families and marriages and all kinds of things that happen in the normal course of our lives and within the year, but can, within a year, but condensed. One of my pastor friends in Seattle said to me recently that in the congregational, in the, in the life of a congregation, you have all kinds of things that happen in a 10-year, in a decade, right? You have all kinds of issues. You have people who leave upset, and you have new people who show up. You have somebody who has an affair, and you have to deal with uh, the ramifications of that for their family. You, you have people who get sick, and you have people who die, and you have births, and you have uh, bar and bat mitzvahs, and you have all of these things that happen over uh, typically a 10-year period. And in a, in, a, in a world pandemic, which this was my first, by the way, I don't know if it was your first or not. It was your first too. Um, you take everything that typically happens in the life of a community and in our normal lives, and you condense those 10 years into two. Like all of the things that typically happen over much longer periods of time were condensed, and the stress and the frustration and the things that we've all feel are, are, are into the extremes of Peter. And that's why this message is just called Restore Us, Lord. Because what we all need is restoration. And like Peter, there are times where each of us are sifted. There are times when we fail. And both of those are so that Yeshua can restore and so that you can be an encouragement to your brothers and sisters once you are restored with how God has been faithful to you. Many of us have experienced this more than once, and some of us are in parts of this process right now, whether it's being sifted or, uh, or, or failing in something or, or in the process of being restored or in the place where we encourage others, and, and all of us uh, many of us are in one of those parts uh, of this um, uh, of this story, and all of us will probably face these steps again over the course of our lives. And some of us, some of you in this room, 
need restoration tonight, and some watching online need restoration tonight, and we need to cry out that the Lord would restore us because he's the only one who can, and he is willing. You know, my personal life mission, like my, my mission statement for my life is to show, the, uh, show people the faithfulness of God through joy. Uh, I, I termed myself the happy rabbi. I have my own hashtag, um, which for old folks is a pound sign and then some words. Uh, but it's, uh, I call myself the happy rabbi. And the truth is, I'm not really good at sadness or grief. And the Lord has uh, given me plenty of opportunities to learn sadness and grief. And I run, I have, for most of my life, I have run from pain and sadness and grief. And when you run from those things, they find you. And the truth is, real joy, I mean, my hashtag should be the happy rabbi who's actually been sad but didn't know it since he was 10. Um, But that's way too long of a hashtag. It doesn't really work on social media. Um, But... Real joy comes when God is faithful, when it looks like everything is falling apart. And it doesn't mean that things aren't hard. It doesn't mean there isn't pain. But God does stay with us. That's the promise. The promise is never nothing bad will happen to you when you follow Yeshua. The promise is Yeshua will walk with you through all the hard things that are happening. Because hard things happen in the course of our lives. And Peter is this amazing person because he was a witness of the life and the teachings and the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Yeshua. And in some ways, Peter was a participant in Yeshua's death. Yeshua knew he would be and even told him that he would be. And Yeshua loved Peter's passion and he loved Peter's zeal. And I think it pained Yeshua that Peter was going to have to go through the pain that he was going to experience. It's why he gave him the name Peter, so that he would become a rock, but he wasn't one yet when he was given the name. And tonight, I want to just walk you through three events. We'll call them three events for Peter, which both happened in the days that we are currently on in the Jewish calendar. Rabbi Kevin said, "Today, tonight starts the 21st day of Omer, which means it's just about 21 days ago, uh, 22 days ago, that Yeshua was crucified, and Peter denied him three times in the process. And it was just all during Passover, and this was what Yeshua said would be what he called Peter's sifting and failing, that um, he would deny the Lord three times. But there's a second event that happens within these days of Omer, and we don't know which day specifically, but we do know it's before the 40th day, because about 21 days, 19 days from today, Yeshua will ascend into heaven from the Mount of Olives, and the disciples will stand and watch him take off into the sky. And it's somewhere in these next 20 days that in John 21, a resurrected Yeshua shows up and restores Peter. Three times he asks him, do you love me? Three times for his three denials. 
And the third event is the writing of the letter of 1 Peter. So there's Peter's denial of Yeshua. There's Yeshua's restoration of Peter. And then about 30 years later, Peter writes a letter called now 1 Peter. And it's written between 62 and 64, like actual, not 1962 and 64, like 62 and 64. And he writes the letter of 1 Peter to specifically two Jewish people, all over, Jewish followers of Yeshua, all over the Roman Empire, who are being persecuted by the emperor Nero, and many who are being killed for following Yeshua. And what he writes in 1 Peter is the encouragement that Peter offers from 30 years earlier in his sifting and his failing and his restoration. Now, especially chapter 5 of 1 Peter is, uh, is an amazing chapter. It's, it's perhaps my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, but of course, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible is the one I'm preaching on. And uh, because I'm an extremist, uh, Peter would take these experiences of his sifting and his failing, and what Yeshua said to him is, when you have turned again, when you have turned back, you will strengthen your brothers. And sometime after writing this letter, Peter was killed for what he believed. Uh, church tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified in the same way he didn't see himself worthy to die in the same way of Yeshua, but it was Yeshua who said he would die in the same. I, my, my, my younger brother just a few years ago, 2019, was married, and their we- his wedding was in Rome. And so we went as a family, which if you want a good uh, laugh, there's uh, a picture of my dad and my, brother, my older brother and I, who are three mess- Messianic rabbis on a tour of the Vatican. And my, 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 my brother Jake and I had to keep, the, the tour guide would say, and this is when the church replaced Israel. And we both go, Dad, don't say anything, right? Because my dad was like, oh, you're going to take it. You know, and you're like, just look at the art and don't say anything. Um, and it's, uh, we had, the, one of the places we had the opportunity to go um, is the prison that they believe Peter was kept in before he was crucified. Now, the scriptures don't say he ever went to Rome, um, but there is evidence that he was in Rome, and I got to stand, stand in the prison where he sat awaiting his own death. And I think about him 30 years after Yeshua said, after he said to Yeshua, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Yeshua said, I know, buddy. But it's not going to be for a while. And first, you're going to have to go through a whole lot of pain. But when you come out on the other side, you're going to encourage your brothers. So in this process of restoration, uh, where there are times where we have to be sifted, uh, where, where we fail, and not just talking about like moral failures or failures of sin, but all kinds of failures in our lives, things, dreams and hopes and things that we thought we would do and uh, uh, that don't seem to go the way they thought we thought they would. But the sifting and the failing is so Yeshua can restore, and in your restoration, you can be an encouragement to your brothers and sisters. Here's the idea. Sifting and failing leads us to restoration and encouragement. Sifting and failing, it doesn't feel like it when you're in the middle of it. 
But sifting and failing is a necessary part of our journey and our lives so that we can be people who do what God did for us in restoring and encouraging. We say often at our congregation in Seattle, it's one of our core values is every setback is a chance to come back. It's an opportunity to return to God. So let's look at the first event. The first event is Peter's denial of Yeshua what we're calling Peter's sifting and failing. And as Yeshua was being led to his death, Peter followed at a distance. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 22 and verse 54, you can follow along. Luke 22, verse 54, then they seized Yeshua and led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter was following at a distance. Now, they had lit a fire in the center of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter was sitting among them, and a servant girl saw him sitting at the fire, and she looked straight at him, and she said, this one was with him too. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, another saw him and said, you you two are one of them, and Peter said, I am not. And about an hour later, uh, another began to insist, certainly this fellow was with him, for he too is a Galilean. Peter said, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. And the most heartbreaking verse is verse 61, because apparently Yeshua was right in the same courtyard still. And it says in verse 61 that the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he told him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. I mean, could you imagine looking at the face into the eyes of the person that you just walked with for three and a half years? I mean, Peter's, Peter's one of Yeshua's closest disciples. There's three guys, Peter, James, and John, that when Yeshua separated out the 12, he also would separate out the three. And he would say things just to the three of them. I mean, Peter is, is known as a pillar uh, because of his closeness to Yeshua. And when he did exactly what Yeshua said, Yeshua looked at him right in the eyes beaten and with the crown, like already getting ready with the crown of thorns and everything that with blood all over, he looked at Peter and I, I don't, Yeshua wasn't angry. He knew what was going to happen. He told Peter what would happen, but there's an important phrase and it says that Peter followed at a distance. Why does that matter so much? Well, last week's Torah portion is a portion called Kedoshim holy people, and it's, uh, it includes uh, Leviticus chapter 19. And we know that the disciples knew the Torah portions, that they participated in reading the Torah portions when they were in synagogue. They knew what portions were coming, and there's a very specific command, uh, a sin that Peter commits that comes from Leviticus 19. And Kedoshim, as a Torah portion, always follows the two or three weeks after Passover, which means Peter knew that portion was coming. And Luke is very careful to say that Peter followed at a distance. Why does that matter? Well, in Leviticus 19 and verse 16, 
it says, you are not to go up and down as a tail bearer among your people, and you're not to endanger the life of your neighbor. That's what it says in the TLV. But that's not exactly what the Hebrew says. The complete Jewish Bible says it a little more clearly. It says, do not stand idly by while your neighbor's life is at stake. If you go directly from the Hebrew, the Jewish Publication Society, the way they translate the end of this verse is, do not stand idly by while your neighbor's blood is shed. Do not follow at a distance. Do not stand idly by while your neighbor's blood is shed. And Peter knew exactly what commandment he was breaking when he followed at a distance and watched as his friend was beaten and put to death and in the middle of that denied him three times. And that's why he went out and wept bitterly. I mean, can you imagine the days even following after because Yeshua is, dies And it must have been a horrific experience for the disciples in the death of Yeshua because he told them he was going to rise from the dead, but they didn't understand, which is weird because he said, I'm going to die and rise from the dead. And they were like, we don't get it. Okay, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to come back to life. And they were like, no, we don't get it. Can you pass the matzah? Like, they didn't understand. And I can imagine Peter sitting in synagogue when this portion is read in the weeks after Yeshua's death, knowing that he followed at a distance while his friend was put to death, while his Lord was put to death. And so Peter does what anybody would do. He goes back to fishing. The disciples were all so confused and scared, they just gave up and went back to what they knew. And Peter is some days, some during these days that we're in, in the counting of the Omer, Yeshua's appearing resurrected, which is super confusing, by the way. If you think about, like, they were in the courtyard and they watched him die. And all of a sudden, he keeps appearing and then disappearing and then appearing and then disappearing. I mean, the whole thing had to be so weird for them. And they go back to fishing, and there's a story in John 21 where they throw their, you know, they're fishermen. They know how to fish. They put their net in, and they're getting nothing, and somebody calls from the shore, throw your net on the other side. I don't, I'm not a fisherman, but I'm pretty sure the water's the same on both sides of the boat. And they don't realize who he is, and they decide to do it, and they have so much fish they can't even pull the net in, and then they realize this, it's got to be Yeshua. And when Peter realizes it's Yeshua, he just jumps out of the boat and starts swimming as hard as he can because Peter's all in again. I got to see him. I imagine that by the time he got to the shore, the guys on the boat got there as well, and they were like, you're going to just stay in the boat. And they eat breakfast with him. John chapter 21 and verse 15 It says, when they had finished breakfast, Yeshua said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. He said, well, then feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then take care of my sheep. Verse 17 says, 
He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And I love this about Peter. At this, Peter was grieved. Because why do you keep asking me that over and over again? Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Yeshua said to him, feed my sheep. And then Yeshua says, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands. And someone else will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And John writes in verse 19, now, this he said to indicate what kind of death Peter was going to glorify God. And after this, Yeshua said, follow me. See, Peter denied Yeshua three times. And so the Lord shows up resurrected in person, in the flesh. And he sits with Peter and he eats. And three times he asks him the question. And Yeshua wasn't doing that for himself. And of course, Peter didn't understand what he was doing. He got mad. He was grieved, like, stop asking me. He didn't realize that Yeshua was asking him three times, one for each of the three times he denied him just a few days earlier. And what he told him would happen, that he would restore him and strengthen him so that when you turn back, you could strengthen your brothers. And then Yeshua prophesies how Peter will die. And 30 years later, Peter dies exactly in the way Yeshua says he would. And this is in part why First uh, Peter has been my favorite book of the Bible. I told Rabbi Kevin, ten, I preached a series on First Peter like 10 years ago, and I, and I found a, a, an old commentary um, in, in, a, in an old uh, church library, and, and, and I was reading through it, and, and the preacher said in, in this commentary on First Peter that the problem with young preachers when they preach first, Peter, is that first Peter is all about suffering, and young preachers haven't suffered enough. And I thought, well, thanks a lot. I still got to preach it. And so I preached a series on first Peter, and about 10 years later, he was right. It's hard to preach on suffering when you haven't suffered much. But as we get older and we experience the things that happen in, in our lives and we uh, experience suffering, it's not because God's out to get you. It's not because he's trying to hurt you. It's because he's making you into a rock like he did for Peter. And when Peter writes this letter, he writes First Peter just, uh, uh, just before he dies, a few years before he dies, 62 or 64, and, and he writes to the Jewish people all over the Roman Empire who are being persecuted by the Emperor Nero, and many are being killed for uh, following Yeshua. And what he writes in First Peter is the encouragement that he offers out of his sifting and his failing that happened some 30 years before, during these days of Omer, that we count as we approach the ascension of Yeshua on the 40th day and the giving of this, the law and the giving of the Spirit on the day of Shavuot. And chapter 5 of 1 Peter, he starts and he says, he says to those he's writing to, he says, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1, I'm appealing to you as an elder among you and as a an fellow elder and witness of Messiah's suffering and a partaker also of the glory about to be revealed. 
But it's almost as if Peter's saying, guys, I wasn't just a witness. I followed at a distance, and I denied him in the process of it. I stood idly by while my neighbor's blood was shed. But he restored me, and he'll restore you. So Peter continues in, in verse 6 as this eyewitness to Yeshua's suffering and, and one who suffered greatly in following Yeshua and who will ultimately give his life as a follower of Yeshua. Verse 6, 1 Peter 5, verse 6, he says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may lift you up at the appropriate time. Cast all your worries on him because he cares for you, but stay alert and watch out because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion searching for someone to devour. So stand up against him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being laid upon your brothers and sisters throughout the world. But after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory and Messiah, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. I love the after in, in the NIV. It says, and after. I just, I love and after. And after you have suffered a little while. It doesn't matter how old you are in this room. It's all a little while. In comparison to what we have in eternity, this is a little while. And there's all kinds of suffering that each of us have experienced in our lives, that are experiencing now, that will experience until the day we die. But after you have suffered a little while, and Peter's saying this from a place of experience, because after he suffered a little while, Yeshua himself appeared to Peter and restored him and supported him and strengthened him and established him. And so Peter's saying to all these Jewish people all over the Roman Empire who are giving their lives for Yeshua, he says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you into his eternal glory and Messiah will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. Peter was sifted by Satan. Peter had to fail. But it was also Yeshua could restore him. And so that he could encourage his brothers. And friends, he's been encouraging his brothers through the letter of 1 Peter for 2,000 years. He's still encouraging us tonight from his experience, from his sifting and his failing. So that because Yeshua restored him so that he could be an encouragement. And I want to tell you, because some of you are suffering. I'm experiencing in this part of my life, I'm facing some of the hardest things I've ever faced. I don't want to preach this message. Because I don't always feel like it's true. But I also know it's true. Because it happened for Peter. And Peter was confident that after you have suffered a little while, Yeshua himself, it's not your rabbi's message, it's not the worship, it's not the things that are good that we have that we do together in community, it's Yeshua himself, maybe through all of those things, but Yeshua himself will restore you as he did for Peter because that's what Yeshua does. If you're suffering things right now, know that there's no better time to suffer than the 50 days of the counting of the Omer. 
Because 21 days ago, our Messiah was dead. And then he came back to life. And he appeared resurrected to his disciples for a period of 40 days. And he kept showing up and eating meals with them. And, you know, people don't die for stories they make up. All of the disciples, all of the disciples died for their faith, except for John. It's the only one that dies naturally. But all of the rest of them give their lives because what they saw with their eyes was real. He was dead and he's alive. People say to me all the time, oh yeah, I know. Once <laughs> I preached at a church and somebody came up and he said, I'm so excited. I've never met a rabbi before. And I said, that's funny. You worship one. <laughs> they were like, what? I mean, technically you know a rabbi because you pray to one. Yeah, okay. And he himself, he, people say often will say, you know, I, I realize that Yeshua was Jewish. And they say, he still is currently Jewish. As he sits at the right hand of the Father, he is still a Jewish man. Eternally, fully God and fully man. And he suffered all of the things that he suffered just a few weeks ago. <laughs> so that when we suffer, we have someone to look to who suffered willingly for us. So that when we are sifted and when we fail, it's not the end of our story. It's an opportunity for Yeshua to restore us so that at some point, we can encourage others with how God restored us. And we can help people know that if he restored me, he's going to restore you. And some of us need restoration tonight. And in the chaos of everything we've all been through in the last few years, we have to cry out to the Lord to restore us. Restore us, oh Lord. It's what our people have been crying out for thousands of years, and there's really no greater time than in the very same days that Yeshua appears resurrected between Passover and Shavuot. And I pray that God will do miracles for you. I pray that God will heal you and your family. I pray that God will give you hope and encouragement and restoration over you and your family. And as I close, if I could, I just want to pray the words of Scripture over you as a prayer from 1 Peter chapter 5. I pray that you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that he may lift you up at the appropriate time. I pray that you would cast all of your worries on him because he cares for you. I pray you stay alert and watch out because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But I pray tonight that you stand up against him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being laid upon your brothers and sisters throughout the world. And I pray that after you have suffered a little while, 
The God of all grace who has called you into his eternal glory and Messiah will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. And I pray these things in the name of Yeshua who was dead and came back to life. And friends, if you're going to trust anybody, you should trust the guy who predicted his own death and said he would come back to life and then did. I pray in the name of Yeshua, who not only answers our prayers when he calls, when we call on him, but hears our prayers. In the liturgy in synagogue, we often say, at the end of prayers, we, actually, we say, and we end prayers with, and thank you for hearing our prayers. Doesn't always feel like he does. I'm waiting on God to tell me a few important things, and he's not telling and it's frustrating. But if you end your prayer with, in the name of Yeshua, who I know, here's my prayers. You will be able to cast all of your worries on the only one who's worthy to carry them. Lord God, we thank you for who you are and who you've called us to be as your people. And I pray for my brothers and sisters, especially those who are going through this, find themselves in any part of this process of restoration, that, Lord, they would cast their cares on you and that you would remind us that you are in the business of bringing your people back to yourself. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Let's bow our heads for just another moment if we can. And I want to ask if there's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. If you've never committed your life to God, but you'd like to, wherever you are today, raise your hand and we'll have a simple prayer. If you've never turned your life over to God, but you want to, just raise your hand if that's you. If you're watching online and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, wow, what a powerful message there from Rabbi Matt. Just repeat this simple prayer after me. Say, Dear God, I accept Yeshua as my Messiah. I believe He's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins, God. I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God, in Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, if you're here, make sure you see me after service. If you're online, please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you. Lord God, I thank you for this word, this powerful word of restoration, which not coincidentally is the name of Rabbi Matt's congregation. <laughs> so Lord, I thank you for Rabbi Matt and his sincerity and, and depth and transparency. Wow, what a powerful word. And, and God, Wherever we are in the, in the continuum, continuum of life, Lord, I pray that we do turn to you, oh God, and that we see things with that big perspective that Rabbi Matt was talking about. Thank you, Lord. Bless him. Bless his family. Bless Restoration Congregation and Seattle. And Lord, please bring your people in Seattle to the knowledge of Yeshua as the Messiah. That's our humble prayer. Thank you so much. Lord, we thank you for these things and ask your blessings. B'Shem Yeshua, in the name of Messiah Yeshua, we pray. 
Amen and Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom. Nine, 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 nine.